The real blessing is what God did in the invitations and how God moved on the lives of people, people saved, recommitting their walk to Jesus Christ, their life with Christ. Right now, there's over 40 people in our new members class uh, coming into Turning Point. So we have, so God is blessing. And, and why is all that happening? Because we have a mandate, as Heidi said, as that said, the video. We have a mandate. We're not here to strut our own stuff. We're here to reach a dying world with the only hope that there is, genuine hope, and his name is Christ. And I'm going to share with you today one of the ways that we can reach people. I'm going to begin a series I'm just calling The God Who, dot, dot, dot. We call that an ellipsis. The God Who, dot, dot, dot. And I leave it open-ended. The God Who comforts. I'm talking about today. Next week, I'm going to talk about the God who delivers. And in the next few weeks, we're just going to get to know who God is. Because when you know who He is, you know what you can expect Him to do. Amen? I mean, hey, folks, we're married. Everybody in here who is a believer is married to Christ. So we need to get to know the groom. Amen? So let's talk about the God of comfort today. 2 Corinthians 1, 3 to 5, and it's so good. I want you to read this out loud with me and preach it, okay? Really let it go. Just read good and loud. It's a great passage. Ready? Go. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. A lot of comforts in that passage. Now I want to read it to you out of the Message Bible because it just brought it home in a way that I think it'll help you understand. All praise to the God and Father of our Master, Jesus the Messiah, Father of all mercy, the God of all healing counsel. He comes alongside us when we go through hard times. And before you know it, He brings us alongside someone else who's going through hard times so that we can be there for that person just as God was there for us. We have plenty of hard times that come from following the Messiah, but no more so than the good times of His healing comfort. We get a full measure of that too. Amen. Father, teach us about Your comforts today. That not only will the body of Christ be comforted and our radio friends comforted, but you will help us to become comforters in Jesus' name. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, be comforted in the Lord. Now, I want you to notice that in verse 3, God has given a title. And when God has given a title, then that means he wants us to understand this is who he is. This is who God is. And he's called the Father of mercies and the God of all comforts. Now, the word comfort is from a Greek word that simply means this, to come alongside someone and help them out. I see somebody that's distressed, heavy, downcast, obviously clearly going through a problem, and I am moved 
with the compassion of Christ. You know, many of Jesus' miracles followed the words, he was moved with compassion. He was moved with compassion. And when he was moved with compassion, it was like that compassion was the, the oil that sort of greased the skids of a miracle. He was moved with compassion. He was moved with the desire to ease the pain of people. And, and that's one of the attributes of God. He's the God of all comforts. Picture somebody walking down the road, stooped over, carrying a heavy load on their back. And you can tell they're tired, they're weary, and it's hot out. And as you watch them, it's very, very clear that if something doesn't happen, they're going to drop under that load. So you walk up, and you put your arm around them, you take that weight off their back, and you hold them up, and you help them carry the load. You just did Bible comfort. The Bible says, carry each other's burdens, and in this way, you're going to fulfill the law of Christ. This was the way of Jesus. Jesus is this way. How many of you needed comfort this week? How many of you need comfort already today? How many of you can say, God comforted me in the last few days? Amen. The rest of you, this message is for you. Because he's a God of comfort. He's the God that comes alongside us as we struggle with the different issues of life, and he helps us carry the load. Thank God that he's this way. And in this ministry of comfort, I'm telling you, it's needed today and it's going to be needed more and more and more. You look at what's happening in our culture, and I, and I know that one of the great ministries of the church is going to be to comfort the distress. Think about it. 90 million people have left the workforce. Just give you some ideas of the stress and distress People are feeling where they need to be comforted. 90 million out of 350 million citizens, 90 million have left the workforce and quit looking. Can you imagine the stress on a home? 50 million people, I'm about to knock that stand over, 50 million people are on food stamps in America. And you think about international tension. Every day in the news now, you live North Korea loading up supposed nukes. They're going to vaporize South Korea. They're going to send one our way. International Middle Eastern tensions are growing by the hour. There is no Middle East peace and there never will be till the Prince of Peace returns. But here you've got a crazy Iran building up nuclear weaponry saying that as soon as they get it, they're going to vaporize God's homeland. Of course, I got news for them. It's not going to happen. But that's their intent and people in our day are feeling anything but comforted. They're distressed. And that's why I'm happy to announce to you today that we have an answer. And our answer is the God of all comfort. I want you to say with me, he's the God of all comfort. Say with me, he's my comfort. He's your comforter. We have a comforter, and guess what? We don't have to smoke something, drink something, pop a pill, or shoot something to get comfort. We don't have to numb our pain out to get comfort. We have a supernatural pipeline to heaven through Jesus Christ by which we are comforted in the middle of our storms, in the very eye of the hurricane. God's people have peace, and they are to have comfort. He sees you and me in our burdens, in our difficulties, in our hard times, 
in our disappointments and distresses and disillusionment and the pressures of life. And God sends comfort. Listen to how Paul bragged on him. Paul was talking out of Revelation. And he says, he's the God of all comfort. He comes alongside his people. Paul says, not only is he the God of all comfort, but that means he comforts us all the time in every situation, who comforts us in all of our troubles. Notice he didn't say some of them, a few of them. He didn't even say most of them. He said, this God who sent Jesus to die for us comforts us in every one of our troubles. He comforts us. That means when I'm sick, Jesus comes and alongside me and he's sitting on that sick bed with me. When I run out of money, He's there with me in my poverty and my need, assuring me that his provision is on the way and he's never left me nor forsaken me and never will. When I'm hated and when I'm despised, Jesus is there in my loneliness. Nobody's like Jesus. He's the friend that sticks closer than a brother. He's the one who said, I'll never leave you, never forsake you, never walk out, never reject you, never disown you, never turn you aside. He's the God of all comfort. And I'm so thrilled to say, as we sang in the song, when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, when my time comes and your time comes, and we'll all have one, when that's our last day and our last hour and our last moment and our last breath, the comforter, the God of all comfort will be there to take our hand and walk us through the valley of the shadow of death onto the other side where he's there to greet us with a great big smile saying, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter the joy of your Lord. He's the God of all comfort. Now, Paul doesn't tell us in 2 Corinthians 3 and uh, the, the first three verses we read, he doesn't tell us there where he got this revelation. Of course, we know he got it from the Holy Spirit, but it's also from experience. He doesn't list the things right there he'd gone through, but eight chapters later he does. He tells us in chapter 11, verses 23 through 26, what he experienced as a missionary just working for the Lord, ministering Jesus to people. He said, let me, let me give you a little autobiographical sketch of my sufferings so that you can understand that I know what I'm talking about when I say he's the God of all comfort. He said, I worked much harder than all the other apostles. He said, I'm not bragging on it, but the grace of God was upon me to do it. He said, I've been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, and been exposed to death again and again. I have looked death in the face repeatedly, chronically, over and over in my life. But he was the God of all comfort. Five times, he says, I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Do you know what that means? That what Jesus got one time, Paul got five times. I can multiply that. 39 times five is 195. If you took Paul's shirt off and turned him around and looked at his back, it looked like a road map. I've received 195 lashes across my back with that cat of nine tails. But I can tell you that God was the God of all comfort. He comforted me right there. 
He comforted me in my pain. He says, but it didn't stop there. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones and left for dead. Three times I was shipwrecked. And one time I spent a night and a day in the open sea. He was floating on something, probably some piece of driftwood. And for a whole night and a whole day, in a deep, dark, rolling sea, he floated, not knowing if he would ever see shore again. But he said, even in that, he was the God of all comfort. He said, I've been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers. Listen to all these dangers. Danger from rivers, danger from bandits, danger from my fellow Jews, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the country, danger at sea, and in danger from false believers. And you know what danger is. Danger is when if God doesn't deliver you, you're going to be killed. He said, I've been in danger in every conceivable context. And yet the Lord was the comforter in all those things. He said, I've labored and toiled and have gone without sleep. I've known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I have been cold and naked. And besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. He said, my mind is on Galatia, Corinth, Ephesus, Philippi, all these different churches that he had planted and he was the spiritual overseer of and all the problems they were having. He said, I live with it every single day. It weighs down on me. And yet God is the God of all comfort in every situation, in everything. In spite of this huge laundry list of suffering, Paul was able to say, he's my comforter in all things. If he could make it through all of those, where does that leave us? I told Kathy this week, and I said, you know, I feel a little tired. My mind's a little tired. We've been really pressing hard, and all of us have. And then I thought of what I was preaching today, and I said, what, who am I to say anything about being tired? This man went through hell and back over and over again, and he came out saying, let me tell you about my God. He's the God who comforts you in the valley of the shadow. He's the God who comforts you in the burning, fiery oven. He is the God who comforts you in perplexity and despair. There is nothing Satan can throw at you that God won't reach you with his comforts. Amen. By the comforts of his spirit, he bears us up through all difficulties and all trials. You know what I want us to do right now for a moment? Can we just lift our hands and thank the God of all comforts? And I want you to do something with me. Say, Lord, I give you every care in my life. And I give you every burden. I roll it onto you. Finances, relationships, things seen and unseen. I roll my burden upon the Lord. And thank you, Lord, that as you take my cares... You're giving me the comforts of God. Now, church, say with me, I receive your comforts, Lord. I'm leaving this church building today full of the comfort of God and peace in the storm. In Jesus' name, amen. Give him a hand of praise. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Now, how does God comfort us? Because we are supposed to be a comforted people. Isaiah said in Isaiah 40 verse 1, he said, God said to him, comfort ye, comfort ye my people. While the earth, the world is experiencing all the consequences of having rejected the gospel of Christ, 
Yet the church is to be a comforted people. The church is to be a people experiencing peace. And so how do we experience the comforts of God? How does he get it to us? Because he doesn't come to us personally. He doesn't come to us like I am with you right now and, and comfort us. So how does God reach us? I want to give you four ways to access the comfort of God. Because God doesn't want you walking around looking like you're about to snap. Looking like you're carrying the cares of the world. Let me assure you, you are not Atlas. You are a normal human being who needs the grace of God. And he wants us walking in joy. He wants us walking in peace. He wants us walking in comfort. Do you believe that? All right. That's part of our inheritance. So how do we get it? Here's four ways. First, God brings us comfort through his word. I love the word of God. Here is your comfort right here. 66 books all in one volume, you've got a library right here, of the Word of God. This is not just about God. This is the Word of God. All Scripture is given by inspiration. God breathed it out by inspiration of God, and it is profitable for reproof, correction, uh, instruction, and righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect and thoroughly furnished for every good work. And in this book, is the pathway to the comforts of God. You know, the longest chapter in the Bible is Psalms 119. I mean, you read Psalms 119, you're going to be there for a while. And every one of the 176 verses in Psalms 119, longest chapter in the whole Bible, every one of those verses has to do with the glory and the power of the Word of God. Every one of those verses brags on the Word of God. And you know one of the things that brags about? That through this Bible, we receive the comforts of God. Listen to what David wrote in Psalms 119, 49 through 52. He says, remember your word to your servant, for you have given me hope. My comfort in my suffering is this. Your promise preserves my life, my very life. Your promise preserves my very life. He said, I'm suffering. Now, we don't know what it was, but he said, I'm suffering. But there's an anchor that I've got. There is something I'm going to that is helping me and carrying me, and it's the Word of God. He said, your promises are keeping me from making bad mistakes from doing things I should not do, from giving up on life, from throwing in the towel, putting up the white flag. Your word is preserving my life. He goes on, the arrogant mock me unmercifully, but I don't turn from your law. I'm being persecuted. But what does David do? He goes right to the word of God in persecution. He goes to the word of God over and over again. He says, I remember, Lord, your ancient laws, your ancient word, and I find comfort in them. Thank God for his word. You know, one of the best examples we have of the word of God is when the old, uh, in the Old Testament, when the children of Israel were going through the wilderness, God fed them by this stuff called manna. When they first saw it, they named it manna because manna means in the Hebrew, what is it? I don't know about you, but I'm not going to go into a restaurant and order, what is it? I want to know what it is. But God sent it. God sent it, and, and it was called, what is it? Now, here's the deal with the manna. They had to go out every morning and they had to gather it. 
If they didn't gather it in the morning, they didn't get it. And do you know what the thing was about manna? Is that if you tried to eat Tuesday's manna on Wednesday, it was mildewed and rotted. You had to eat Tuesday's manna Tuesday, Wednesday's manna Wednesday, Thursday's manna Thursday. What is God saying to us? You can't live on yesterday's blessing. You have got to stay in the Word. And if you try to reach back and just live off of something that happened to you a year ago, it's going to be rotted and mildewed. Not that it's not a great memory. But you see, we need daily manna. Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God on a daily basis. So when, when Mrs. When Mrs. Goldstein would send Mr. Goldstein out when they were in the wilderness, said, honey, you've got to go get the manna because if you don't get it, we don't eat today. Well, what, how, what are you going to do with it? I might bake it. I might broil it. I might microwave it. I might fry it. But it's going to be manna. And if you don't get it today, well, what if Mr. Goldstein said, well, grab some from yesterday. She would have to tell him it's rotted. We need fresh manna. And folks... God was speaking to us. The Bible says what, what happened to them back then is to teach us today. What is that teaching us today? That you need to get out every morning. You need to open up the Word of God. And you need to find something that feeds your soul. Because every day there is manna from heaven. His mercies are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. It says he daily loads us with benefits. Not weekly, not monthly. God's got a daily benefit for his people. But you've got to go gather it. Manna. Here's your manna right here. And you know what the psalmist called it? Angel's food. So that manna is angel's food. It was supernatural. And this is supernatural wonder bread, the breakfast of champions. There is nothing like the word of God. Go ahead and try life without it. Seven days without the Bible makes one week. Some of you are going to get that on the way home. <laughs> I know it's corny, but it gets it in your head anyway. He whose Bible is worn out probably isn't. You're going to get that one on the way home too, I can tell. You're going, what I mean is if your Bible's worn out, you're probably not. Because faith comes by hearing the Word of God. Paul said, whatever things were written before were written for our learning, that we through the patience and comfort of the Scriptures might have hope. Thank God for the Word of God. He comforts us with the promises. But there's another way that God comforts us, and that is through other people. Paul says to the Corinthians, it's a confession he's making. He says in chapter 7, verse 4, Great is my boldness of speech toward you. Great is my boasting on your behalf. I am filled with comfort. I am exceedingly joyful in all of our tribulation. Now notice he says, I'm in the middle of tribulation, but I've got joy and I've got comfort. I'm in the middle of tribulation, but I have joy and I have comfort. He says, for indeed, when we came to Macedonia, our bodies had no rest. We were troubled on every side. Outside were conflicts, inside were fears. Nevertheless, God who comforts the downcast comforted us by the coming of Titus. He comforts us through other people. 
Listen to what he, and I'm so glad Paul told us the truth about himself. He said, we were tired. We were downcast. We were troubled. We were conflicted. We were fighting inward fears. We knew that it was wrong to be afraid as believers, but inward fears were reaching up, trying to take over our emotions. And how did God bring comfort to them? He sent a man named Titus. And Titus walked in, and we don't know what he said, but I could venture to say it's probably something like this. Hey, guys, perk up. Get a smile on your face. It's not over. You're not going down. You're going through. The God who has seen you through before is going to see you through again. The sun is going to shine again. Every storm finally runs out of rain. Every storm finally the, par, the, the clouds part and the sun shines through. I'm not trying to be squishy religious. I'm telling you, storms don't last, but tough people do. And you've got to be tough in God. And so he encouraged them. He picked them up. And Paul said, this man comforted us and pulled us out of the doldrums. And that's the mighty apostle Paul talking. And this is why I believe in regular church attendance. Let me tell you, I believe that God has called us to be in church at least once a week. You say, Pastor Jeff, where do you get that? I get that out of Corinthians, where, where Paul talked about the Corinthians meeting once a week. And these people who say, well, you know, and I've had them say this to me, Pastor Jeff, you know, uh, we just feel like we got to the place where we just didn't really need to be at church much anymore. We, you know, we, we read our Bibles and we're good with Jesus and, and we're really moving along. And, and, uh, so, so praise God. We, we, let me just translate it. We've outgrown church. Now, my question to them is, so you've outgrown the word of God because the word of God says, forsake not. Can everybody say with me, forsake not. The assembling of yourselves together. That's what we're doing right now. Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as the habit of some is, but encourage and comfort one another. And so much the more as you see the day of the return of Jesus Christ approaching. Can I tell you, church, Jesus is about to come again. This world is wrapping up. Prophecies are coming to pass like the daily newspaper. Soon there's going to be a trumpet blast. The dead in Christ will rise first. And those who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. And then he says, comfort one another with those words. And so why do we come to church? We don't come to church to see somebody's new dress or new suit or to make a business deal. We come to church to encourage one another. Say, brother, you can make it. Sister, you can do it. I'm here to build you up in Jesus Christ. I want to speak the word of faith over you. I want you to continue. You are not going to go down. You're not going to quit. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Don't give up. I'm going to encourage you. So when you see somebody getting out of church, don't learn from them because the word of God is always true. Amen. He comforts us through his word. He comforts us through others. He comforts us through the Holy Spirit. Thank God for the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. If I do not go away, the comforter will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. Jeff Wickwire is standing up here because of the Holy Spirit more than any single reason. He is my strength. 
He strengthens me. He encourages me. He gives me peace. He opens the scriptures to me. He comforts me when I'm discouraged. He gives me peace in the very eye of a tornado. Nobody can do what a pastor is called to do apart from the comforter, the Holy Spirit. This is not a career choice. This is a call. And people say to me, I don't know how you do it. I don't know how you listen to discouraging things all week long and then get up there and preach. And I had an answer. And here's my answer. Not by might, not by power, but by the Spirit of the Lord is how we do it. The Greek word that Jesus used for comforter is the same word we talked about earlier. Parakletos. We've heard the word paraclete. It means one called to come alongside. He comes alongside you when you're down. He comes alongside you when you're tempted. He comes right up and says, I'm with you. I'm here. I haven't left you. You're not alone. You've been persecuted. I understand, but I'm here. And when everybody else walks out, I walk in. I'm with you. I'm standing with you. And no weapon formed against you will prosper. I'm going to say that again. No weapon formed against you will prosper. I might say that one more time. I want us to get it. No weapon formed against you will prosper. As a child of God, no fiery arrow from hell will prosper. And every tongue that rises against you in judgment, you will condemn. For this is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and your righteousness is of him, says the Lord. We live in the generation of the accuser of the brethren. The Bible says Satan has come down with great fury. And he has come down with great fury knowing his time is short. And what is his bag of tricks? What is his modus operandi? What does he use more than any single thing? He accuses you. He accuses you in your mind. He accuses you through other people. He accuses you so that you will give up in condemnation, give up and put up the white flag and walk away and get out of the race. He accuses you in the theater of your soul. He accuses you for your mistakes, accuses you for your past, accuses you for the temptations that you're experiencing. He accuses you. But I say again, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And Romans 8, 1 says, There is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Jesus Christ, who walk not after the flesh, but have been born of the Spirit. So there's no condemnation. I tell you, the accuser is defeated. He's a liar. When he opens his mouth, he lies. When he talks, he lies. Every word he says is a lie. So pick yourself up, son of God. Pick yourself up, woman of God. Shake off that condemnation. It's not from the Lord. And finally, God gives comfort through you. He comforts through his word, comforts through others, comforts through the spirit. But he also wants you and me to be comforters. And I want to home in on this. Watch this carefully. Verse 4 tells us something really powerful about you and me. Listen to what it says. He comforts us in all of our troubles. He could stop right there. And we would say, I'm so glad to know he comforts me in all my troubles. But then he goes on. So that, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort 
we ourselves have received from God. When he uses the word so that, he says, there's a reason God comforts you. He does it not just for you and me, but when the comforts of God come to you, God has not just you in mind. He's always got a bigger picture than just you and me. It's not just about you and me, but he's got those people that are going to cross our path going through the same things we have gone through and God comforted us. And then God is going to say, all right, what I gave you, you can give away. I don't give you anything that I don't want you to give it away. You can't give what you don't have, but you can give what you do have. And if God has comforted you, then you've got a message. Listen, nobody can comfort somebody fighting cancer, like somebody who has been through a battle with cancer. Nobody can help somebody going through a painful divorce like somebody that's been through a painful divorce. Nobody can put their arm around the neck of someone whose child has gone into deep rebellion and is self-destructing through drugs like somebody whose child went astray and self-destructed. That person can comfort that parent. Here's what God is saying. Because of Jesus, I don't even waste a pain. I'm not going to waste a pain in your life. Satan is not going to put the hurt on you without me turning it around for the glory of God and using it for my glory. I'm going to take everything that happens to you and I'm going to work it together for the good. He comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. Wow. You know what that's saying to us? There is a missionary purpose for every pain we experience. There's a missionary purpose. There's almost everybody in here is hurting somewhere. Or you're not on earth. Everybody in here is dealing with something. Physical, mental, spiritual, relational, financial, something. But can I give you good news today? God sees that pain. God's going to comfort you in that pain. And then God is going to use the pain and the comfort you experienced to undo the works of the devil in somebody else's life. He's going to use that pain. He's going to use that pain to bring a blessing to others. When I was, uh, had graduated college, University of North Texas, um, I just knew, well, the world's about to open up to me and I'm going to be the next Billy Graham. I, here I come world. Now don't look at me like I was proud. Don't get on me for having big vision. I was going to be the next Billy Graham. I just knew it. And, and so I thought the world was going to open up, but my own block didn't even open up. And I started having to find work here and there and do these different things. And to take care of my family and put food on the table, I couldn't find my golden career, so I got different things under the golden arches. <laughs> and, and, I, and I just did what I had to do. But, but I began to descend into the mully grubs. I began to descend into, into Bluesville. I began to descend into discouragement. And I couldn't understand where God was and why he wasn't moving, why I had this big vision, and none of it was happening. Well, I, I sustained myself by finding this book that was full of great biographies of Christian men and women 
who had overcome great obstacles. It was just their life stories, and they were little mini-biographies, a great big book of mini-biographies. You know, George Whitfield, the Wesleys, Jonathan Edwards, D.L. Moody, Billy Sunday. I read all these different biographies, and every day they would help me kind of walk through this. But one day, even that didn't help me, and I was sitting in our apartment, which we affectionately called the Rocha Villa. <laughs> Seriously. It was called the Rocha Villa. You didn't want to walk across that floor at night with no lights. <laughs> so we really were here. I was college, graduate, and all this. And I'm in the Rocha Villa, and nothing is opening up. And I'm doing all these, these different things just to put food on the table. And I'm, and I'm saying, God, where are you? And this one day, we were taking care of a little 10-year-old girl who had Down syndrome. She was the daughter of some dear friends of ours. Her name was Beverly. She had the telltale eyes, the telltale facial features of the Down syndrome. She had put her faith in Christ. And I'm in this rocking chair, rocking back and forth, looking like I just lost my best friend. And I wasn't paying any attention to her. And all of a sudden, out of the blue, comes Beverly. She sits in my lap. She put her hands, her arms around my neck. She turned my face to look at her. And she said, it's okay, Jeffrey. Jesus is going to see you through. Now, two things happened to me on the spot. One, deep conviction because I had such unbelief at the moment. And this little 10-year-old girl with Down syndrome had more faith than me. Two, it encouraged me. It comforted me because I knew the Holy Spirit had to lead this girl. She didn't know to do these things. Holy Spirit led her. She's in my lap telling me these things. It picked me up right on the spot. Picked me up right on the spot, convicted me. I said, Lord, forgive me for my unbelief. And... I saw the way Christians are supposed to be because she had been through a lot of pain in 10 years, ostracism from her peers, mockery, rejection, all the things the kids can be so mean. And so she was sensitive to hurting people. And the way that she had been comforted, she came to me. You are a comforter. Now, let me give you one last thing before we stand. Comforting people is one of the great ways to win a soul. Because we're so good at, turn to Jesus or go to hell. <laughs> Aren't we? And we're kind of known for that. Uh-oh, here they come. And people scatter. Watch this. Let me show you something. The best way to reach the lost is wait for them to hurt and then move in as a comforter and comfort them. We had a neighbor. We both got houses together side by side, and it started out between us and our neighbor really bad, really bad. Matter of fact, a wall went up, a real one, a great big fence, <laughs> and a wall. Because we just we had a conflict and it just got off on the wrong foot, really got off wrong. 
And I just was, of course, walking around, Mr. Preacher, the pastor, the big man of God, you know, and thought, well, well, they're wrong. But I would leave for work in the mornings, and it was like the Holy Spirit said, aren't you something? You're going to go preach me, and you've got a great big wall between you and your neighbor. And I'd rebuke it (laughs) and go on. Now, one day we came home to see ambulances all around this house. We jumped out, ran over there to see what was wrong. The woman's husband had had an aneurysm and dropped on the spot and passed away. My first response was, okay, I'm really sorry about that. But then my second response was, what would Jesus do? Not sounding trite, what would he do? He'd go straight over there and he would comfort. So we went straight over there and began to comfort her. It was the beginning of melting ice. We began to notice as time went on, huge stacks of whiskey bottles in her trash. It was a recycling bin so we could see what was there. Huge stacks. She's drinking away her pain. I began to think, what can I do? What can I do? What can I do? So all I knew to do when I would see her was be nice, be kind, and comfort. So I would wave and get no wave back. I would say, hey, how you doing? Not even hardly a look. I kept at it, kept at it and comforted. Long story short, the melt, the ice kept melting as I would just move into comfort, to comfort, to do what I could to help. Any little thing I saw that she needed, I tried to do it. And do you know that last week, I got a call, and she was calling to tell me she'd caught a rat in her attic. (laughs) Excited, because I had told her, we've had rat trouble, and I'll tell you how to catch them. So I told her another way. I was just trying to, she called me, just thrilled to tell me about this rat she caught, and Kathy said, can you believe the woman that there was this, this wall with for years called you to tell you she caught a rat in her attic? And I, of course, I said, hey, praise God, way to go. Got that rat. Amen. Hallelujah. And so the ice is melted. She walks over. She says, hello. She comes to our door. It's gone. But how did it happen? Not this, but it happened by comfort. My people, can we stand together? Amen. Amen. If you need God's comfort today, I want you to lift your hands to the Lord. If you need God's comfort. Heavenly Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus. And we ask you to bring comfort to your people. Comforted people, comfort people. Lord, this world is in deep trouble. It's going to need a lot of comforters. Lord, you've called us to reflect you. So comfort us right now so that we can take that and comfort others. 
Say with me, Lord, I receive the comforts of God through your word, through your people, through the spirit. And because of those, I will comfort others. Help me to reach out with your comfort to that neighbor, coworker, spouse, child. Now, we're, while we're in an attitude of prayer and a place of prayer and receiving God's comfort, I want to pray for Pastor Rick Warren, whose son, his youngest son, committed suicide Friday. And we want to just lift up Pastor Rick, his wife Kay, his other children, Saddleback Church. If anybody needs the comfort of God in America today, it's Rick Warren and Kay. Father, we give to you this family tragedy and the loss of this young man. And we give Pastor Rick to you and Kay. We pray that you will comfort them. Send the comforter in a way that they have never experienced, the Holy Spirit. Send comforters in the form of people. Send, Lord, special verses that just wing their way into their heart. We pray for the members of Saddleback that you will comfort them. Comfort that church body with the comforts of God. You're the God of all comfort, Lord, and we receive it now. In the name of Jesus. Now can you just lift your hands and say, thank you for your comfort, Lord. I receive it. I am comforted in God. 